This podcast is brought to you by Bruner Communications, your best resource for public speaking, presentation, and storytelling skills. Visit lizbruner.com and take your skills to the next level. Sometimes an unexpected moment comes along in your life and it changes your trajectory forever. That's exactly what happened to my guest when a car accident nearly took his life. Instead, it gave him a reboot, and now he's on a mission to make the world a better place. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Broner. I'm Liz, and I'm thrilled to have joining me today, Dr. Richard Schuster. Dr. Richard, thanks for being here today. Liz, it is awesome to be here. I'm very grateful, and I I think we're going to have a great conversation. I'm excited to have you on the show. All right, we're going to go back to those college days because right out of college, you were working in the technology sector, Mm. and some might say you were living the dream. You were doing everything that you wanted to be doing. In fact, I've heard you say that you thought you wanted to be the next Iron Man, a.k.a. Tony Stark. (laughs) So what were you doing in that job, in that role that was so exciting? It's so funny. And, you know, to put some context as to how ridiculous all of this was, I got my start in IT because I played a practical joke by making a website for an endangered species that didn't exist. And somehow that got picked up by the Wall Street Journal, like this was before viral marketing existed, right? So that's how I was able to have on my resume that I knew how to code HTML and do some things in the IT (laughs) space. Because otherwise, I was just a guy with a bachelor's in psych that you couldn't really do anything with in the real world. And so I got started in IT, and I ventured out on my own, and I bid on a government contract with the Department of Defense. I don't know how I won it, but I won it. But you did. <laughs> I no business at that age. We weren't making bombs or weapons like, like Tony Stark did. This was to secure the medical records for the Army, to create the mm. secure pipe between two bases. That immediately started this kind of manifest destiny. I'm going to rule the world. I'm going to, you know, buy things and name them after myself and have the jet with my face on the wing, you know, all (laughs) all of these things. I was sure that's what I was supposed to do. It was my God-given right and my destiny. The more I went down this path, the less happy I actually was. Yeah. Well, one night, everything completely changes. A car accident in which you say, It's a miracle that you are alive. What happened? This was a Saturday evening that I was going to have dinner with a cousin close by. And when I made a left-hand turn, a kid ran through the intersection, slammed into my car, which sent me spiraling into oncoming traffic. And ultimately, I crashed into a telephone pole on my driver's side, which stopped me. So Liz, this whole time... From the car impacting me to the telephone pole was maybe three seconds. And what was really fascinating as I look back on this through the lens of of psychology is there's a phenomenon that many people experience called tachypsychia, which is essentially like think Neo in the Matrix when those bullets are flying at him for the first time, right? Your perception of time slows down to kind of give you a chance to get your bearings. We've got so many records of this, accounts of this, or soldiers experience this a lot. This three-second moment, I could see it all in slow motion. Like I remember seeing my windshield just absolutely exploding and little bits of glass floating in the air and light from the sun reflecting off of them and my center console crushing into my ribs. And I said to myself, I'm about to die. 
the, you know, a ghost of Christmas future kind of moment where I, you know, if I pleaded and learned my lesson, I could wake up the next day and give toys to all the orphan boys and girls in the world, right? It wasn't like that. I knew I was dead. The emotion that I became overwhelmed with was shame and guilt. And I, I reflected upon that my parents who were having a great time out on a Saturday night were going to get a call that their son was dead and it was a needless death and that uh, all of these things that I coveted, the money and the the prestige and all of these things, the car wasn't coming with me. The watch on my wrist wasn't coming with me. Nothing gets to go with me. And I really realized I had not really done anything significant with my life. And so that was the start mm. of really the, the turning point for me where I began to focus my efforts, not on the accumulation of stuff for the sake of having stuff, mm -hmm. but really helping others. And, and there was a big journey to get to that point. But that's really that was the flashpoint. You broke your spine as I understand it, and you tore nearly every ligament in your neck. And so that's yeah. a whole healing journey in and of itself. Yeah. You eventually get back to your job, but you have also said you were never the same. And you just started to touch on it a little bit about sort of that unfulfilled feeling. And you talked a moment ago, too, about guilt. What were you feeling guilty about? I was guilty that the time I had basically been on this earth was kind of wasted. Again, like mm. I had become so focused just on material things, guilty that I was going to die a senseless death and my parents were going to get this call. You know, no parent mm. should ever have to bury their child. All right. So you go from this amazing job, 100 miles an hour, all the luxuries, the watches, whatever you want to call it, and then you quit and you go down to zero. Yeah. What does that do to your psyche to go from 100 to zero? And how scary was that? I wish the story, because this is what everybody thinks when they hear this story, is that, you know, I just rolled up my sleeves in the hospital bed and balled up a fist and said, I'm not, that's it, I'm not doing it anymore. And no, I, I actually mm. stuck it out after my recovery for almost two years in this job. Oh, gosh. Mostly because fear, right? Fear of the unknown. Sure. What would I do if I walked away from this? And then fear in that I told everybody who would listen to me that I was the next big thing. I was going to achieve all of this success. Mm. And this means I had to admit failure and own that failure, broadcast that failure, because I told a lot of people all the awesome stuff I was going to do. Ultimately, I did, though, because I was so miserable that I. I had to walk away. And I mm. remember walking in and I told my partners one day, I said, I'm out. And I walked away. And you didn't know what you were going to do next? No idea. I had some money saved up, you know, not gazillions of dollars, but enough to certainly live for a little while. But it was a dark place for me. I mm. would, you know, sit in my place every day by myself, mm. just kind of rehashing all of this, wallowing in, you know, the failure, if you will. I wasn't ever suicidal. I didn't get that depressed. But this right. is probably the longest and most significant amount of emotional distress I'd ever experienced at any point in my life. Well, you spend months at home wallowing, doing nothing, feeling depressed, feeling sorry for yourself. And then there comes another moment yeah. that yet again changes your life trajectory. You're in the grocery store. <laughs> You're buying bananas. 
and you had a moment that suddenly gave you meaning and purpose. What happened? The setup makes it sound so ridiculous. And I joke that if Instacart existed then, I don't know what I'd be doing today, honestly, because I had to leave the house to get food. So I overheard these two women who were talking about their daughters on social media. They were concerned because they were posting inappropriate pictures and they were worrying about security and safety. And, you know, this was my background, right? I had this IT background and I don't usually interject in people's conversations at the grocery store, <laughs> but in this instance, I did. Why not? <laughs> Why not, right? And, and told them a few things that they could do to keep their family safe online. And I didn't mean to agitate them more so than they already were, but you could see like their eyes got huge, kind of like, you know, silver dollar pancakes. And I, they asked me if I would come to their PTA and speak on internet safety. And I said, yes. It's not like I had anything else to do, right? <laughs> this was interesting. <laughs> right, right. Like my schedule, like, you know, wallowing in misery. So I, I did. This was an agenda free, like I wasn't trying to sell anything. I wasn't trying to do anything other than maybe help a few parents who were in the audience. Yeah. And I did. And that felt really good. And that was the first time in a long time that I felt that spark. And hey, you know, this feels really good. And that's really what began kind of my road towards, you know, what I'm doing today, ultimately. Well, that path leads you to work with a teen. You end up mentoring. You go yeah. down another path and get your master's in social work. You get a doctorate in clinical psychology. You work with patients that are at the Cleveland Clinic with uh, NFL players and the concussion protocol. Oh my goodness. So many different layers that occurred. What was going through your mind as you went down that path? The theme that kind of was consistently there, I'm grateful that I get to help people. I mean, the NFL st stuff was cool and you know, my residency, my postdoctoral residency had an affiliation with the Cleveland Clinic. And so I'd see a whole variety of patients from there. Very different, right? But I, I was content. Like around that time, I'm married now. My first kid was on the way. And so I felt like, all right, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That felt really good. Yeah. Now, a lot of this work, too, that you're doing today is about the brain. And you touched on it a moment ago of what was happening when you were having your car accident. One of the things that I think is so fascinating, and you know this certainly better than I do, is that we are biologically wired in our brains. They're designed to help other people. Help us understand that. It wouldn't seem that way because society has us focus on what? Selfies? Like we are a very me- focused society, and increasingly so, as the data suggests. So there is a part of our brain, which is a very ancient part of our brain called the mesolimbic pathway. And essentially, if I took any two people and I gave person A $1,000 and person B gave some random person $1,000, the same exact parts of their brains are lighting up. It's that mesolimbic pathway. There are neurotransmitters that get released when we do good things. Uh, dopamine is one. It's it's part of the brain's pleasure center. Oxytocin is another. It promotes trust and good feelings. So essentially, we are hardwired, truly hardwired to feel good when we help other people. Mm. You know, I've been trying to shine a light on that for the last several years through my platform because people need to know. And that's why, you know, on my podcast that, that you were recently on, I end it by asking people to go and commit acts of kindness because I understand that 
what happens neurobiologically when we commit acts of kindness. And if somebody gets in the habit of doing this, if somebody truly does kind things for other people every day, there's no way that their life isn't going to get better. There is no better way to feel good than doing something truly selfless for somebody else. There just isn't. Love that. Well, you mentioned your podcast, which I want to make sure we tell people about. It's called The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. You are also a licensed clinical psychologist, a TEDx speaker. You're the CEO of your own company called Your Success Insights. And you have been called an altruism expert. What does that mean? I don't know who said that. I want to thank them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We'll thank them for you. (laughs) That really was a main focus of my platform for a number of years, just that the science of helping others, the neurobiology of helping others, just what we just talked about a little bit, is that there isn't enough of this. And, And you know this, you were a news media expert for how many years? What percentage of feel-good stories were there on the news? What percentage Mm -hmm. of them about, Mm -hmm. you know, stories that make people feel good? And if there were those stories on the news, were they leading the news? Were they the last thing that they just, you know, at 11.27 p.m. squeezed in, right? A lot of the time, yes, probably you're right. I didn't count in my 28 years. (laughs) But you more than anybody would be able to, you know, attest to the fact that this was not front page news. Without going on... A total tangent talking about how the news media works and what effect that has on one's personality. <laughs> That's another subject for another it day. It totally is. <laughs> but certainly, again, we as a society have gotten so far removed from focusing on just doing good. Yeah. Just being very intentional yes. about kindness. It doesn't mean that you have to walk into a department store with thousands of dollars, you start flinging $100 bills <laughs> in the air, right? Like there's so many different ways just smiling at people. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this and you're on a subway, you know, it's funny. Uh, a friend of mine told me that the subway face is like you're kind of constipated and you just have this anger face. <laughs> Smile at somebody on the subway today. Yes, yes. You're probably not going to get stabbed or shot. And I think COVID pointed this out too. Like we really need human interaction. Yes, we do. You know, we're not built to sit behind computer screens and interact with people from afar. We're built to interact together. We're built to support each other. And we need to do more of that. Well, that's your goal. You're trying to get a million people every day to commit acts of kindness and post it on social media. Because as you're saying, one act of kindness can truly make a difference in someone's life. And I know people reach out to you and they share with you what some of those acts of kindness are. Give me two favorites. Give me two favorites that you've heard about. I know, because it can be anything. It can be smiling at someone. I've had people who have reached out who have, you know, said that they, you know, were inspired to start a nonprofit because of me, because Mm. of hearing the podcast. My favorite of all time. Yes, favorite of all time. Then this was very early in my podcasting adventure. I think this was around November of 2017, if I have the dates right. I got an email the day after Thanksgiving from a young man in the Midwest who sent me an email. And the subject was, you saved my life. I said, dear Dr. Richard, I'm 27 years old and I was going to commit suicide last night. Um, Mentioned that he was over his head and dead and out of work and just had had it. He had his gun. He loaded the gun. He was ready. He was just sitting right next to him. And he was going to go online and write a suicide tweet, a farewell. And before he did that, I happened to pop up in his Twitter feed randomly. 
or maybe not randomly, depending mm, on which Maybe ability. not. Maybe not. <laughs> he clicked it for whatever reason and heard my story. And he wrote me and he said, Dr. Richard, because of you, I no longer want to kill myself. In fact, I want to live and I want to start a podcast of my own for people with depression so they know there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And he left me his phone number and I called him. And I'm usually reasonably articulate in communications with verbal <laughs> conversations. <laughs> in this instance, I was very nervous and kind of fumbling over my words. Just, what do you say to that? What do you say to somebody who has you know, the courage to even write that and send it to you? I don't know what came out of my mouth initially, but the gist was how grateful I was for his email, how much I applaud his courage and determinism, and how could I help him? He wanted to do this podcast, and I helped him launch a show. I went on his show. Now today, he's a coach. He's making six figures. He's helping people, and because he's earning enough money through his things, he's able to help a relative that otherwise he wouldn't have been able to help who needed it financially. And I never created that podcast at all to prevent suicide. And I mean, professionally, in a clinical setting, I don't know how many people have walked into my office on the verge of committing suicide. And my reaction was to immediately go through this series of go into my training, risk management, what do you have a weapon? As doctors, we go through this kind of very, I don't want to say inhuman, but it's, you know, that's the direction you go. So I've probably prevented, I don't know how many suicides in my life, but a lot in my role as a clinician. Because contextually, this was so different and not at all what I had planned. This was probably the coolest thing. And, and I remember I told my wife, I said, I don't know where this journey is going. And I don't know what's going to come of having this podcast and doing this other stuff. But I said, if we never make a dime from it, it prevented a suicide. Yes. And that is the coolest thing in the world. And so you never know, just another example, when you do good things, mm -hmm. the ripple effects often come back. And now that's obviously an, an extreme example, but I promise you, and like you never know how you'll touch somebody's life. Who knows how then that person will touch other people's lives too. When you think back to your days in the tech sector, you thought you were living the dream back then mm -hmm. and to where you are today. What's the most important lesson you've learned about yourself that maybe you haven't shared with people yet? I think what I have learned through a series of experiences since then is to be hungry, but not all the way full. So what I mean by that is be satisfied. So many of us who are high achievers, you know, we set goals, right? And sometimes they're impossible goals. And then when you achieve them, it's like, oh, now what? Now what? What I have learned is to be grateful every day. I have a gratitude practice that is part of my daily routine where it's a journal. What am I grateful for? But really to stop and smell the roses and be satisfied. Mm -hmm. And I am. I have crafted for myself a really cool life where I now have the ability to spend quality time with my family and my pup. I get to interact with causes that I'm really passionate about and be involved mm -hmm. and make a difference. Like I've got a nonprofit. There's, I have the tech company that you mentioned. Like there's these, all these things I'm doing that I would have never done otherwise had life not taken me down this path. I don't know if it would have happened quicker if I had kind of figured this all out sooner. I think like the black hole, as I, as I kind of like to call it, that period where I was really dark, I think I needed to go through that. Mm. If you had told me 
all these years ago. I mean, even when I started my practice as a clinician, hey, you know, in a few years, you're going to be doing this podcast and you're not going to, you're not going to want to do this anymore. I would not have believed it. And I certainly wouldn't have believed that I have people pulling the show in 150 countries and, you know, all of the speaking and all of the things that have come. Never would I have anticipated all of these things. So just very grateful, you know, kind of live in that moment. The podcast, just to remind everybody, is called The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. And if you'd like to learn more about Dr. Richard, just go to his website. It's drrichardschuster.com. That's D-R-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S-H-U-S-T-E-R.com. DrRichardSchuster.com. Dr. Richard, I'm so thankful that you were able to join me today. And for all that you are doing, truly helping make a difference in the lives of other people simply by being an example with your own life. Thank you. Thank you. And I think I'll leave with this. I think when bad things happen to us, we have really two choices. One is to get mad at God. How could you do this to me? (laughs) And be really angry. The other thing is to say, what can I learn from this? And how can I do better? For me, it's three things. It's those two questions. Plus the third question I ask is, how can I share this in a meaningful way with others so that they don't go through what I went through? For anyone listening to this, and I know the world is in a really crazy place right now, there's a lot of things that happen to us along the way, and they're not great, or they don't feel great at the time, but we can learn from them and we can use them to make ourselves better, to grow, and and most importantly, to help other people not experience the same thing. Absolutely fantastic. And we're in about 140 countries, Dr. Richard. So hopefully we're going to be spreading a lot of kindness out there. I love it. I love it. Right. And and let's all be a part of Dr. Richard's movement to commit those acts of kindness for other people every single day. One small act can change a life and we can all live our best life. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.